Hello everyone, welcome to Figment of My Reality, where we talk about the true stuff that makes this big old world seem made up. I'm your first co-host, Jeremy Bales. I'm your other co-host, Jason Wright. So Jeremy, we uh, we did another guest appearance. We did, man. We are on a roll. Last week was our first, this week our second. We guested on We Are The Watchers. It's a fantastic podcast hosted by a couple of folks down in Australia. Leah and uh, Tom, and I'll tell you what, man, they were so, so fun to join and um, great energy. Tom's knowledge is insane. They talk about, you know, stuff that's happening in movies and TVs. And he even talked about the um, Bill and Ted board game that's coming out, which actually got me excited. (laughs) Most excellent. (laughs) But yeah, you guys should definitely go give that a listen. Fantastic people. Fantastic podcast. We are the watchers. Yeah, they also give some recommendations. So if you guys are looking for something to watch during quarantine, they give some yep, good recommendations. Sure. We give some recommendations. Yeah, go listen to episode 128. <laughs> yeah, they're great people, good podcast. Definitely give it a listen. I'll start us off this week. Let's do it. So my story takes us to South Africa in 1915. I don't think that's what happens there. I think that's just in the movies. Yeah. Like the best, the best movie. So around 1915, there was a thing called World War I going on or starting up. There sure was. And South Africa started to draft people into the war, right? So one of the people they drafted was mar farm is that a person's name mar farm that is a person's name is that m-a-r-f-a-r-m m-a-r-r-f-a-r-m okay tell me about mar farm so mar farm gets drafted and he refuses to go without his companion jackie he lived with jackie for several years and he just said i'm not going if jackie can't come so is that like a tag-along draft so, I guess. It's I mean, a package deal. It, yeah, which I've never heard of. I mean, But South Africa was like, you know what? Sure, Jackie can come along. If you had to guess what kind of companion Jackie was, what do you think he'd be? Well, you were, you were kind of vague. You didn't say, like, his, his friend. So, is Jackie... Let, let me think do about it. Your, think about your song you sung before. Is Jackie a lion? No. Jackie's not a lion. Is Jackie a giraffe? Jackie's a baboon. He is Rafiki, his <laughs> <Yes>. friend. <laughs> Rafiki comes along into the army, and they, his uh, regiment actually accepts Jackie in as a mascot. How does Jackie feel about being called a mascot? I feel like... <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, he gets the rank of private he's given the same standard uniform fitted to him with all the badges and buttons and everything the normal uniform would have is the butt out of the baboon <laughs> <laughs> some assless chaps <laughs> i don't think that's in uniform <laughs> he's even given rations in his own uh pay book wow so mars bringing jackie in and i, I guess he's getting paid for two yeah <laughs> he's he's playing the system he's like you know i, I need to bring i need to bring this this my, my companion along 
Double pay, baby. <laughs> a tip for everybody looking to go into the military. The people getting drafted be like, no, nope, I'm not going. Double pay. <laughs> <laughs> so Jackie um, watches everything that's going on, and he actually starts like falling in line with the soldiers. He salutes the soldiers that are higher rank than him. No way. He stands at attention. He does the normal day-to-day stuff mundane stuff that a normal soldier would do that your typical baboon does <laughs> yeah what you don't know jason is that jackie was actually drafted for the baboon army and he was actually evading <laughs> the baboon army draft when he came with Marfar. <laughs> so he's just trying to stay in line so he doesn't get written up and kicked out <laughs> he's, he's blending in <laughs> that's it so you'd think as the mascot jackie would just be like sticking behind he's there for moral su- support no. Did they Jack- give Jackie a rifle? <laughs> no, I don't know what they gave him, but he's in the army with Mur. Like, when, or Mar, when they go into battle, he was in a battle, Jackie and Mar, that had an 80% casualty rate. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. And Mar and Jackie both survived. Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then in another war, Mar got shot in the shoulder. And Jackie helped him by, like, grabbing a hold of him and licking the wound. Jackie threw on a tourniquet. <laughs> until, yeah, until medical attention came to help. He was there um, helping Mar out. So Jackie's kind of pull, seems like he's pulling his weight. I mean, I'm sure they didn't just have him running around doing nothing during the war. I mean, I've heard of, like, bears being parts of army and stuff. But I'm sure they had this baboon doing something, earning his rations. Yeah, it seems that way. I mean, if he... I would say he didn't apply proper medical treatment, but if he stifled the bleeding a little bit until Mar was okay, that's pretty amazing. There's only so much you learn in the baboon medical field. Yeah. He was actually a baboon medic, but got drafted as an infantryman for the human army. Wow. In Jackie's last battle, he was in the trenches. How old is Jackie? Do you have any idea what the age of this baboon was? I'm not sure. They okay. s- they said he started living with Murr's family in 1910s and was drafted in 1915. Uh, one of the wars was in 1916. We can assume he's at least like five years old at this point. Yeah, five to seven. <laughs> Your yeah. typical child in the army. <laughs> <laughs> so his last battle, he's in the trenches and artillery and gunfire start coming in like crazy on them. And Jackie's not a dummy. He starts building a wall around himself to hide in the trench. Out of he, what? They, they don't say what this wall looks like, but I like to picture it's like cartoon style brick and mortar going up real quick around Jackie. Yeah, you just see like Jackie has the the higher level hearing that most animals do. And like before you even hear the whistle of artillery, Jackie starts building a wall. Mars like, hey, Jackie, what are you doing? And then. And he's like, okay, okay, I get it. <laughs> By that time, Jackie's like halfway deep into this wall action. <laughs> I want to bring it back real quick. You point out his keen hearing. One thing I did skip over is that is one thing that Jackie did was he patrolled at night outside of the of the base. And they said with his keen senses, he was able to detect any artillery coming in, gunfire, or... Yep. Listen for people sneaking around the base. Yeah, I guarantee with like a higher level of like of of smelling, of hearing, I can guarantee he could smell smoke. He could smell gunpowder. He could hear the chatter. 
he could hear like i guarantee he was an asset in that sense my qualm with the story (laughs) is i mean i'm do you always always 100 percent trust the baboon to give you good intel it's what he's getting paid for that's what mars getting paid for (laughs) and jackie technically mars getting paid jackie's money (laughs) pretty sure jackie did not have a uh bank account number (laughs) i don't know that but i would assume um what do you think would be the scariest creature to walk up on you in uniform as you're sneaking on patrol does he have a gun no, he has very, very sharp teeth and his ass is out. <laughs> I would say a bear would be scarier than Jackie. I no think way. Jackie with a gun is scarier than a bear. <laughs> I think Jackie would move faster. I think Jackie would destroy. I'm not saying I'd get away from either of them. I think I would have a better chance of outrunning a bear in uniform rather than a Jackie in uniform. Well, my issue is if I'm sneaking around, I've always eaten honey. So <laughs> there is that so sticky issue I haven't talked yeah. about. <laughs> so that's why I'm worried about the bear. I, if if I see a bear in a uniform, I'm like, oh, that's funny. He probably like his pants <laughs> will fall down if he runs too fast. <laughs> a lean, mean fighting machine baboon coming at me with like <laughs> probably one button undone, so you see how big his chest is. <laughs> that is horrible. Let's bring it back to this war of Jackie's. His last fight. Jackie's building this wall. And he's just a little too slow. And some shrapnel makes it over the wall, past the wall. No. Hits Jackie in the leg and in the shoulder. No. Mar, lick his wounds. (laughs) Mar. (laughs) But Jackie gets hurt pretty bad. And the medics come to attend to him. They're not just going to leave Jackie alone. They, They come to bring him back. And Jackie refuses to go with them until his wall is finished. Jackie continues. Oh, my gosh. Jackie continues making his wall. Um, eventually they get him to come with them. They can't save his leg. They have oh, to no. use chloroform to knock him out. They don't know if he's going to survive or not because who knows what chloroform does to baboons, especially in 1915. Not me, Jackie. <laughs> so they put him under, they amputate his leg, and he ends up living through it. Jackie is a so hero. So Jackie, a little bit after this battle, gets discharged honorably. He gets a Medal of Valor. And and he gets promoted from private to corporal. Wow. (laughs) So some humans probably had to salute. (laughs) Also, can you imagine the look of surprise on the baboon captain's face (laughs) when he goes back without a leg? He's like, wait a second. (laughs) So you were talking about him trying to avoid the baboon army. Well, Jackie wasn't the only baboon in, in the South African army. But he is the only one to achieve private or higher. So he is the most elite baboon in the army. The the elite (laughs) of the elite. Non-human military. (laughs) Is there a rank beneath private that I don't know? Mascot. That's fair. (laughs) Mascot is beneath private. How many baboons did they have as mascots? (laughs) I I didn't hear, but if I had to guess, it had to be more than five. If... If it seems like a normal thing, like, yep, mascot, baboon, you're in. <laughs> oh, you're not going to come in the draft? Uh, yep, mascot, for sure. Mascot I had to. Sure. I have to imagine there's a few people that tried to get into the army that weren't going to get in, but got in because they brought a baboon with them. <laughs> <laughs> there's just, like, the, the army down there 
hopes that the next baboon will be the next Jackie. (laughs) (laughs) And they're starting to draft people who have baboons just in hopes not of finding the next Mar Farm, but in hopes of finding the next Jackie. (laughs) Best dang baboon we ever had. Righty, Jason Wright. Let me tell you about a little something that happened in July of 1518. Strasbourg, part of the then Holy Roman Empire, nowadays be France. I'm also realizing at this point that we have a lot of stories about France, so I'm not sure what that says about France. <laughs> yeah, Buckwild, Buckwild Place. So in 1518, Strasbourg, something happened. A woman started to dance and dance. And dance. She began a little twirl. She started spinning. And this carried on for a week. Within a day, however, three dozen-ish people joined her dancing. It's contagious. Let me introduce you to Dancing Plague. (laughs) (laughs) Young and sweet only Strasbourg. (laughs) This is the Dancing Plague of 1518. I mean, every once in a while, I mean, maybe it's just me, but you you get a little boogie-woogie fever. Yeah, it's cabin fever. It's contagious, you know. (laughs) You don't know what's happening. You're a little bored. And just start moving, moving to the grooving, and it it catches on. Once one person starts dancing, the next person starts dancing, then three dozen join you. Uh, And in August, more than 400 people were dancing. (laughs) What's the reverse of a placebo effect? <laughs> a real effect. I have no idea. <laughs> like, these people see somebody dancing and they get diagnosed as having a dancing disease. And they obviously don't have a disease because there's no such thing as the dancing disease. <laughs> well, that is where you are wrong, my friend. <laughs> so at the time, there we'll get into the more modern diagnostics however the doctors at the time said that this woman was insane stupid could could be that too crazy but they diagnosed her with hot blood (laughs) (laughs) so what happened is that she just started dancing and couldn't stop she was trying to quote gyrate the fever away (laughs) and whatever it was was apparently infectious and quickly moved to three dozen people within the week. And I said this happened in July. By August, more than 400 people had contracted this dancing plague. Were they saying they were compelled to dance due to this fever? Or they were dancing to try to get rid of the fever? Dancing to get rid of the fever. They were okay. They were, they were without, without any other alleviation. Apparently the dancing was doing was the best solve at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, they're they're moving around, warming that blood up just just a bit more to make make no, the, the feeling the bl- go away. The blood was too hot. They were trying to cool themselves down with all the flailing. <laughs> if you move fast enough, it's like air conditioning. <laughs> so, like I said, the doctors diagnosed him with hot blood, and they said, "You know what? In our professional opinion, let him dance and gyrate the fever away." So, as any good town would do for these people who could not do anything but dance, they brought in stages. <laughs> they said, "You know what? Let's give them. Let's give them a platform to show off their move." 
This is where dancing. They brought in bands, Jason. <laughs> they brought in music. This is where the dancing era turned, the revolution of dance, where everything, everything went from a simple two-step to turning the corner into something complex. The dance dance revolution, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> so along with these bands and stages, they brought in professionals to you know, teach them more moves. <laughs> but I couldn't find a whole lot of information on if they could actually, you know, were conscientious enough to learn or were they just spinning and whirling like a dervish? Just let's let's take a step back. We've talked about doctors a few times. Yes. Besides the lack of technology and medical practices. So everything that makes easy, doctors doctors. <laughs> well, how easy would it be to pull yourself? How cool would it be to pull yourself from now and put yourself then and just know you don't need to know anything. You can be whatever the hell you want to be. <laughs> I'd go back and be like, here, take this magical pill. It's called ibuprofen. It will heal all your ailments. <laughs> it seems like you could just scoop some dirt up off the ground and throw in their face and be like, okay, I'm going to do that twice a day for the next three weeks and you're going to start feeling better. Oh, thank goodness, doctor. <laughs> now, your compatriot, he cut off my friend's arm in three seconds. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's normal. That's how it's supposed to go. It will be quick. It will be, I won't say painless, but it'll be quick. <laughs> yeah, so... Again, these, these people would dance and dance and dance. And it wasn't really an issue um, until they started dropping, unfortunately. Let the bodies hit the floor, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this actually had quite a number of fatalities because of exhaustion. People were dancing for literal weeks at a time. People had heart attacks and people had strokes. And what I'd like to tell you, Jason, is this is a, a one-time event. This happened one time. I can't tell you that in good faith, Jason. <laughs> Didn't happen just the one time. <laughs> oh, man. Going back even further, 1374. And all of these are fairly well documented, none better than the one in Strasbourg in 1518. But there were... I'm sure they're all well documented. Who wouldn't be writing that shit when, <laughs> when, when there's 400 people just dancing outside because their blood is, quote, too hot? Hot, eh? <laughs> so hot in here. So in 1374, there were several medieval towns that suffered from this same type of affliction. And to this day, there's been differing diagnostics, and we're going to get into a couple of them. The first one says demonic possession. So Boom. Hit it. Don't need to hear the other ones. We got it. Okay. Got it in one. Good deal. <laughs> got it in one. <laughs> so another one. A legitimate doctor believes that there could be reason or a catalyst behind, quote, overheated blood. So I don't know what that means. I've heard the phrase, you know, you really make my blood boil. It could be that. Don't know. Bad uh, doctor. Bad. <laughs> Good diagnostic. Bad doctor. Uh, tough. <laughs> <laughs> There's a possible fungal disease, but the most common landed on diagnosis for the dancing plague is a psychogenic disorder. Basically just claiming that all the folks were unhinged and that they just, just danced and danced and danced until I they... don't like that either. Medi I don't think medical <laughs> conditions are contagious. That's that's the thing though, right? Is there what is the what is the reasoning behind someone dancing and you're like, you know what? 
Mm. I'm feeling it. Great vibe. Uh, you're through the choreography. Matter of fact, show it to me right now. <laughs> I mean, it was probably some people who had a cold and got a little fever. And the doctor said, oh, you better go dance with them. Your blood's too hot. Time to boogie woogie <laughs> till that fever's like, gone. Took your temperature. Ugh, you're screwed. There is one. There is one opportunity, and it's to go dance. It's some stupid doctor back in the day said, "How many people do you think I can go get dance in the street?" <laughs> so I said, "No more than 400 <laughs> Bet. <laughs> and the legend spread across the land until it reached its next destination, where the next mm-hmm. doctor said, "I can beat that." so the end product of the case in 1518 was that it didn't end until september i said this started in july august there were 400 plus um it ended in september when the remaining dancers that hadn't dropped yet were taken to a mountaintop for prayer so it was entirely inconclusive in this specific example so so my thinking is this jason and just a psychotic or a psychogenic thing then it technically should not be contagious right right the idea of something being contagious means it has to be sort of viral fungal bacterial but not necessarily i mean it could cause some sort of issue in the brain but not necessarily just a psychogenic it's boogie boogie woogie fever (laughs) it's boogie (laughs) fever get down on it everything (laughs) Yeah, I really think it's like the best way I could describe it is the reverse of a placebo effect. Like when you take a pill and it's a sugar pill, it can make you feel better, right? Right. If if somebody's going around saying, well, if you have a fever, you have this dancing disease and there's no way for people to contact people outside of their city. They don't have that much knowledge on medicine. On dancing fever. So maybe they were compelled to think well, maybe I need to do this. Jason, do you understand how committed someone has to be to be like, no, I guess I have it. I guess I'm just going to dance until my blood's no longer hot and die from that? Well, people might not be committed anymore. But back in the day, <laughs> they were willing to stick it out and back dance until they hit the people, floor. People would dance until dead. exactly nowadays people can only go two to three songs like in the 80s didn't they have dancing competitions see who could dance the longest to win a prize i doubt any of them lasted several months (laughs) even a week straight (laughs) i enjoyed how we sort of incorporated a bunch of music but you'll notice that before we started recording i had uh, dancing queen stuck in my head and it's because it's dancing plague baby That's it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review as it helps us out a ton. Uh, if you're interested in contacting us, maybe you guys know a story that you want us to dig into or um, you want us to follow up on one of your own stories. You can reach us at any of our social medias at Fig of My Reality. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And our email is figmentofmyreality at gmail.com. You got that fact? Our piece of reality for this week is there's a cat named Stubbs who lives in Talkeetna, Alaska from 1997 to 2017. And from that same time period, he was the mayor of that town <laughs> for for 20 years. It was it was Stubbs the cat. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Bales. And I'm Jason Wright. Talk to you next week.